0: Welcome to a brand odd episode of That's Odd. I'm one of your hosts, Johnny Townsend, and with me, as always, is my good pal, Chris Chavez.
1: What's up, man? What's going on, Chris? You doing all right? I am excited. Uh, As we were talking about before, it's WrestleMania Sunday. Yes. So we're ready for that.
0: Yeah. I'm a big wrestling nerd, so this is like an amazing weekend for me. And also, on top of that, I'm a humongous UNC fan, and they just won that game last night, so I'm doing
1: pretty good. I saw the headline. I didn't watch the game. It was a good game.
0: Yeah, I watched the end of it because there was a NXT. It's, this is just big wrestling <laughs> stuff going on right now. But NXT was on last night, and that's like the WWE's... I don't even know how you would call it. It's part of WWE, but it's not WWE. Like a anyway, par- farm league? Sort of. That's where they go first to learn... This is so much... <laughs> no, This is just... Nobody cares about this but me. But,
1: well, that's odd. Anyway,
0: anyway, yeah, that's odd. But that was on last night, too. So I was like, I had one TV on that, and then I had a TV in the living room on the game. So I was watching
1: both with both eyes at the same time. It was very difficult, but I I managed to make it through. That's awesome. That's awesome. And now you survived, and we're ready to do, as you said, a new episode of That's Odd. I like the way yeah, you, before- you called it a brand odd episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, you know my adjective game is is strong, <laughs> <laughs> but you know before we get started into what's odd this week, Chris, I think it's important that you uh, give everybody an update that you wanted to give about a certain story we did
1: on another episode of That's Odd. Oh, that's right. Um, I believe it was our first episode where you brought the story about uh, the two uh, vehicles in Ohio. Was it? Yeah, and the- yeah, the
0: the only two. It was like in the eight, late 1800s. The only two vehicles in Ohio. Uh, Happened to crash into each other.
1: And, that thing. and during it, uh, I was listening back on on it the other day, uh, and I remember I was asking something along the lines of like, I wonder who was the first person to put lines in the road. You know what I mean? Because like, was yeah. that just something you did, or did people just kind of drive haywire and crazy until lines were put in the road? Um, and it was weird because last week or the week after or b- or before, sorry. Um, I was watching. You seen the sh- that show, uh, Mysteries of the Museum?
0: Yeah, I love that show.
1: Love it. I absolutely love that show. And one of the stories was about this woman, uh, this Dr. June McCarroll. And I found out what it was uh, is she was uh, a nurse who later became a physician. But she became famous and she was uh, on this show because she was one of the first people um, to come up with the idea of like lining highways to make sure there were separate lanes. And the reason for this was because, I guess, uh, where she lived in, in California, there was a whole lot of these car accidents happening around this, like, stretch of road, however many miles long. And these people were kept being brought into her emergency room, and she'd have to, you know, help all these people that are in these accidents. And she just thought to herself, why can't we, you know, figure something out to stop this? Because this is – these are a lot of people getting hurt. So she drove out to where this all these accidents were happening, and she kind of watched and she saw what happened was that because it was so dark and it was a specific, I don't know, like curve, anytime people would come across each other, their headlights would kind of flash across your eyes and blind you for a moment. And you wouldn't have enough time to either move right or left to figure out where the other vehicle is. And that's why a lot of these head-on collisions were happening. So she decided to um, go to the Board of Transportation uh, and and her... Uh, what do you call it when it's like the local government you know the um the city the city people and she had <laughs> the city people yeah. basically all the city people it, it looks like a congressional hearing basically they're all sitting there in front of you and you go up and tell them your your concerns about whatever and they so she goes and she tells them this is what i'm figuring out and i figure if we paint lines in the road we could all figure out you know figure to stay in a lane and this was in 1950s i believe no, I'm sorry. This is incorrect. This is early 1900s, 1917. Uh, the Model T was around during this time. And that's what, that's the big thing that was going on here. It was happening in Indio, California. So in 1917, they've got this woman telling them what she thinks they should do. And these men kind of laughed at her and said, Thank you very much. We'll take that into consideration next. And they did nothing about it. So she was not going to just sit back and say, Okay. She went and bought herself a paint bucket. And went out there and painted her, uh, her uh, strip straight down the Indio Highway. Uh, I think it was like a couple miles long she did it. And people would be driving by as she's doing it, looking at her like, what the heck is this, right? But sure enough, she watched as the sun started to go down and it started getting darker and harder to see. These headlights were starting to light up this line in the road. And she watched as people stayed in their lanes. And there was no accidents that night. And apparently it was it was uh it was a big deal and and that's why we have that now. There's lines in the middle of the roads because of Dr. June McCarroll.
0: That's pretty cool. That's yeah. just that uh, just shows what you, if you just believe in your idea and just go with it, yeah. You know, like no matter what, she didn't get any support from the city people. <laughs> no, she just went and did it herself
1: yeah. too. She could have gone to jail for that. Yeah, but she proved that uh, what she thought would help would work, and it did. So. It was kind of cool. I saw that, and I was just like, "That's so strange. We just did an episode of that. Well, that's odd, you know." Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, "All right, we're gonna use that. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up as an update because that was really cool. I'm glad I got the answer." Yeah. If I seem
0: distracted, it's because my cat is driving me bonkers. <laughs> You're and good. Water man. problem is. Yeah. <laughs> You're good. She now. does this
1: every time I try to record. She wants to be a part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be the official "That's Odd" mascot. Yeah, I like that idea. That's cool. <laughs> What, um, all, right. all right, man, let's get to our stories today. I've got a cool story. You say you've got a cool story. We both don't know each other's story at all. I'm excited for this.
0: Yeah, my story, I think, is very cool, and you'll find out why. Mm-hmm. That may or may not be a pun that was intended.
1: <laughs>
0: all, right. all right. Uh, All right. I'll go first. All right. Sounds good, man. All right. Californian Jordan Romero, uh, when he was a kid, he would stare at a painting in his school hallway. And this painting, of course, was, all of, was of all the uh, summits in the world, the high summits in all the continents. And he was mesmerized by this. I had to move my cat. <laughs> you're good, you're good. <laughs> I'm going to love her unconditionally. <laughs> so he, was, he would see this, this painting that was on just in this school hallway, and he would just stop and stare at it all the time. And all it was was each continent, uh, it would show the highest peaks in each continent, right? Like you had uh, uh, Mount Everest, you had uh, Kilimanjaro, you had uh, – uh, what's that one in the Rocky Mountains here? I can't believe that's the one I don't remember.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're asking, oh, great. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah. Anyway, so, you know, it's in the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. No, <laughs> there I, we go. I think I know what you're talking about. I think I remember seeing that in school uh, way back when I was in school. Yeah. So when he was young, this, this painting just – mesmerized
0: him to the point where he told himself he was going to try his best to climb all these peaks. Oh. So now we're going to fast forward. Mount Everest, of course, is as everybody knows, the tallest uh, the peak of Mount Everest is the tallest place on the earth. Mm-hmm. It's also the mo- one of the most treacherous to get to. If, you know, there's been many who have tried and, and quite a few have made it now, but many have not. Mm-hmm. They've perished along the way, either due to the extreme conditions you have to face, uh, the weather. You know, some people freeze up there, and then that's just where they are for eternity, oh. is up there. Yeah. So it's not a place that you want to take lightly whatsoever. But he decides he's going to climb Mount Everest. Now, when... Romero uh, does goes on anything. He has these uh, these luck, he's good luck charms, and he always carries them with him. He's got more than one, but one of them that I found really in, really interesting is uh, one of his a good friend of his who who has cancer actually gave him a pair of kangaroo testicles, <laughs> which blew me away. What? <laughs> who just who just? I mean, I feel bad that the person has cancer. It's terrible, but yeah. who just has kangaroo testicles? Are, you know, just a weird thing. But, but you know, he says that's one of his uh, treasures because his friend gave it to him and it meant a lot. Now, are, so, are
1: they are they in Australia? Is this in Australia?
0: No, he's in, he's a Californian. He's oh, Cali- California. That's right. You did say California. Yeah.
1: Okay, where did kangaroo testicles come from?
0: Yeah, I know. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> but I just thought that
1: was interesting. All right, cool. <laughs> you know, and this is an episode about odd things. <laughs> and what Oh, how old is how old is Romero now that, that he's wanting to climb Everest? Oh, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, we'll get to that. So, you know,
0: he wanted to be at the top of the world. That's why all these people want to climb Everest. It's a major accomplishment. Not everybody can do it. So he went with a small team. You know, you're not supposed to go by yourself. And they started the climb. And they got really lucky on this day. This was in May of 2010. Because the weather was actually pretty clear that day. And that doesn't you know happen that often up there. So they make this long treacherous climb. And finally, finally they make it to the top. And he's ecstatic. He can't believe that they've done it. He's so happy. And the first thing he does is he calls his mom. He, they took a satellite phone with him and says, hey, we made it! We made it! This is so cool. But you know, Chris, if so many people have made it to Everest by now, why is this odd? You're probably asking. Yeah, I yeah, am. I'm. I'm waiting to see where this is going. Okay. The reason that this is odd is because when he climbed to the top of Mount Everest, Jordan Romero was only 13 years old. What? He is the youngest to ever climb Mount Everest. Really.
1: He climbed Mount Kilimanjaro when he was only nine years old. okay you said he had a, a satellite phone. so when was this? what year was this? two thousand and ten and how so how old was he when he first saw that that all those those peaks? How old was he? He was in elementary school from which is not too much longer no till now. I mean he's only a teenager now. The people train for their whole lives to climb mountains. This yes. this kid sits in a classroom and says, I want to do that, and then starts doing it without training. Like what?
0: Well, I think he would do a little training, like it's obvious that he loves climbing. And his parents kind of uh went along with it from the sounds of it. Like when he climbed uh Mount Everest, his dad went with him. And uh holy crap. Even, so his dad's even dad more made it too. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. It was him, his dad, and like a couple of uh guides Sher- went with him. Sherpas. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to say the word cuz I knew I'd say it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm not even done yet, Chris. I'm not finished yet. Holy crap. Okay. When he was 15, so just 2 years later, he became the youngest person to ever climb the seven summits. He climbed Mount Vincent massif, I'm probably saying that wrong, mm-hmm. the highest uh, point in Antarctica when he was 15. So, he's the, he's the youngest person to ever climb all the tallest peaks in all seven continents.
1: Holy cow.
0: And I get winded if I walk down to my mailbox to get the mail. <laughs> <laughs> so, this kid, if you ask me, this kid's pretty remarkable. Well, he's not a kid now. You know, this is in, uh, he was 13 in 2010. So, he's a, he's probably getting ready to go to college or something now. But there you go. That's Is that not pretty crazy? That is crazy. What's his
1: name again? Jordan Romero. Jordan Romero. I want to see what this kid, this guy looks like now. Yeah. Oh, you, you pull him up. Google says Jordan Romero mountain climber. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That is the like, no way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I I couldn't believe the story. It was just mind blowing to me. This kid, you know, all of us have dreams and stuff and we're lucky if we're able to, you know, live those dreams but he's doing it man he's doing it yeah
1: dude you if if you haven't done it or readers or readers sorry listeners go to go online and put in jordan romero and there's pictures of him at 13 years old on literally on top of the world literally yeah wow i don't know if you can see his house from up there but (laughs) (laughs) dude that is crazy that is such a cool story man yeah, You almost ruined it when you asked for his age. <laughs> you and your inquisitive mind. Always, man. I'm always wanting because I want a picture <laughs> in my mind like where they're at, what's yeah. going on. So, <laughs> uh my story's not as as like for me that's very inspirational. That's like really yes. cool. It's odd because you don't see, you know, kids at that age mountain climbing, much less the the highest mountain in the world. Right. But uh dude, that's very cool. That's a very inspirational story. Mine not so much. <laughs> unless you're you're inspi- like your inspiration is to be the best drunkard there is okay <laughs> um i'm going to tell you a story about uh, a guy who may have been one of the first superheroes you ever see the movie what's that movie with uh will smith where he's a superhero but he's kind of like a drunk
0: oh was it uh hitch or something like that
1: something oh, is it hitch hutch something like that man i can't Uh, remember i'll I'll look it up as you're doing anyway okay so the story i'm about to tell you is about this guy i was gonna call it unkillable but that's not really correct um obviously everyone's killable but this guy uh was close to as unkillable as possible a guy by the name of mike malloy you ever heard of him no all right well here we go i'm gonna tell you a nice little story here uh i'm gonna take you back to the bronx 1930s interruption real quick yeah. we were both wrong the movie is Hancock <laughs> H it's an H movie you know yeah I think Hitch was that one he did with uh, the, that one guy from King of Queens oh yeah the matchmaker one all yeah. right anyway go on sorry no no problem we're gonna go we're, this is the story of Mike Malloy here we go we're going to the Bronx 1930 we're at the height of the Great Depression uh, as you know the Great Depression almost crippled the country people so many people were out of work starving. There's uh you can go online and see these black and white photos of bread and soup lines that like go down blocks and blocks and blocks. Um very bad time in the country. Uh, at the same time, prohibitions going on when the con when the government said alcohol is illegal. You guys are not allowed to drink alcohol. You're not allowed to make it, no distribution. Um as we know from the history books, uh this didn't stop people from drinking. This didn't stop people from producing alcohol one of those producers was a guy by the name of tony marino this guy was a crooked owner of a speakeasy you know what a speakeasy was i've definitely heard of them so like back during prohibition times these people would have businesses it'd be like a laundromat or a restaurant right but in the back there was prostitution there was a bar and there was gambling <clears throat> basically it was it was a it was uh it was just a den of iniquities if you will so this guy's running a speakeasy in the Bronx, right? And he's a, he's a crooked guy. This guy is not cool. And he and he surrounds himself with just like the lowest of the low, the dirtbags, like, you know, criminals. So they're sitting around the bar uh, one uh, night after night, and they're just trying to come up with schemes during this this time when everybody's just trying to figure out how to make some money. They're trying to figure out how to make extra money. They're making a lot, you know, running the speakeasy, but Marino's greedy. He wants to make more money um and during one of their conversations he him and his cronies are sitting around this bar and they're having drinks and and he's telling them about a time that he ran a scam uh and the scam was this a a few years earlier he had met a homeless woman named mabel carson he had brought her over to the speakeasy you know given her some food got her drunk and then got her to sign insurance papers insurance policy papers while she's wasted uh, after she signed it, he gave her more to drink, got her to a point where she just passes out, right? So then he takes her into one of the rooms, uh, strips her naked, douses her in ice-cold water, douses the bed in ice-cold water, and then leaves her there to fall asleep next to an open window in the middle of New York winter. The coroner's report says that she died of pneumonia, and he pocketed $2,000. $2,000. After telling his story, his friends are just like, "Okay, we can do this again, right?" And their gaze falls on a man in the corner—a homeless guy that's been coming in for a few weeks, uh, been running up a tab. But the guy's just got this huge drinking problem. Every night, he drinks himself into a stupor and passes out in that corner. So they're looking at this guy and they're thinking, "Kaching." <laughs> We're gonna have a payday, right? Let's run the scam and let's do it again. Let's get this guy to sign policy, insurance policy papers, and then we'll 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 have him drink himself to death, right?
0: Um, yeah, it's foolproof,
1: exactly. Not okay. a problem. So uh, the guy that they're looking at, this guy's named Mike Malloy. Now, Mike Malloy, he's a homeless guy, uh, an Irish alcoholic in in Bronx, New York. He was he's known in you know for going around trying to pick up odd jobs just to make enough money to drink. The guy drinks ridiculous amounts of alcohol. And in those times, uh, the alcohol that was being produced because it was prohibition was some pretty potent stuff. There was some stuff that was jet fuel quality alcohol. You know what I mean? And he would put it away night after night, pass out, end up sleeping on the streets. They'd have to drag him out into the sidewalk and let him fall asleep. Guy didn't have a home. So, uh, He, like I said, he had a tab at this speakeasy. And so one night he comes in, you know, he starts his drinking, has some sandwiches. And all of a sudden Marino and a couple of his friends approach him they sit at the table and Marino, you know, introduces himself as the owner of the place and, uh, you know, tells the guy, look, I know you've run up a tab here, but, uh, I need your help. I need you to sign some papers for me. And this is going to help me get elected into office. He's, he tells Malloy that he's running for office and uh, he needs a few more signatures. And if if Malloy signs the papers for him to, to help get him into office, uh, he'd wipe his tab away. And not only wipe his tab away, he'd offer him unlimited drinks and food as long as he ever came to the establishment. Now, you can imagine Malloy's, like, reaction. You know what I mean? This homeless guy that's scraping money just to get drinks uh, is now being told, you come in, you drink as much as you want, you eat as much as you want, no problem. Just sign some papers, right? Yeah, that's like a miracle, just dropping in his lap. Yeah, three pages of miracle drop in his lap, and he signs him, no problem. Doesn't even blink, man. He's like, sure enough, here you go, thanks. Uh, can I get some more to drink? And sure enough, they bring him some drinks. He drinks himself into a stupor, and the men can d- congratulate themselves. Now it's just a matter of making sure they give him too much to drink. So over the next few nights, he comes in every night. What's up, boys? What's What's there to drink tonight, right? They start pouring drinks. They're laughing, hooting, and hollering. Every time he starts to pass out, they're smacking his face and waking him up, pouring more down his throat. This is happening every night. and Every night it's getting to a point where he just crashes completely. They can't even wake him up enough to pour more down his throat. Uh, but he still keeps waking up next morning. Still keeps waking up next morning. Uh, it starts to frustrate the guys. They're not sure, like, why this is taking so long. So, um... I did say what he signed, right? He was signing life insurance papers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The paperwork they drew up was to say that he was the brother of one of the bartenders uh, at the speakeasy, so there was a connection that they could go in and you know cash in these claims should he ever meet an untimely demise. Um, so anyway, they they keep giving him drinks and drinks, and he's he's just not dying, and they're getting irritable. Uh, a few weeks goes by, and they decide, you know what, we gotta, we're gonna have to do a little more. They're gonna start adding poison uh, to his drinks. So one night he comes in. They start adding a little bit of antifreeze to all his, all the whiskeys. He's, he's pounding. He's eating sandwiches and drinking and hooting and hollering and crashing to the, you know, to the table, fall, you know, snoring. They wake him up, make him drink some more, and again he crashes out. He still survives. They start adding turpentine to his drinks. <laughs> well. Wow. Barely touches him. Now you're talking about all of the stuff they're pouring into him over a few weeks' time now, right? Let's try rat poison. So they put some rat poison in his drinks. The guy's pounding them, gets up like he's going to go to the restroom, and then crashes to the floor. So Marino and his friends are like, all right, finally, it's done, right? They go to check his pulse. It's a very faint pulse, real shallow breathing. So it's like, hey, give him, an, give it give it some time. He's going to die. So they go to the bar, and they continue to have their drinks and eat their dinners. And they look over an hour later. He's still laying there. Next thing they know, about a half hour after that, they hear from behind them, all right, boys, what else are we going to have to drink? <laughs> Malloy had gotten up, sat at the table. They could not kill this man. So they decided to change tactics. Stay away from, I mean, keep pouring alcohol down his throats, right? But uh, how about we take some shards of metal, grind them up real, real fine, and put it in his sardine sandwich, see if that works, right? So a few nights in a row they do that, hoping that the metal would, you know, mess up his stomach, do something to cause internal damage and kill him. I think just the sardines would do that. (laughs) That sounds like a horrendous sandwich. Uh, Doesn't work, man. (laughs) Keep keep coming. Malloy is just indestructible. They don't know what to do. They end up getting shards of glass, you know, putting them in his food. It's not happening. Nothing. Nothing is killing Malloy. Frustrated, Marino decides he's going to do the same thing to Malloy that he did to Mabel. So one night after Malloy passes out, the men strip him, douse him in ice-cold water, bring him out to a park bench in the middle of winter, and let him fall asleep in the snow, snowy park bench. Sure that he's going to be dead, right? Yeah, he's going to freeze to death. The next night, he shows up, sneezing and coughing, complaining of a cold, but ready for his drinks and his sandwiches. <laughs> uh, They can't believe it. These guys are just like, what is this guy made of, okay? We're, we're done with this. They find a local cab driver and pay him to run Malloy over. So one night, again, Malloy drinks, eats his sandwiches, passes out. The men take him out to a deserted road and lay him in the middle of the road. The cab driver runs him over, puts the car in reverse for good measure, and runs him over again before all the men take off. The next day, Marino's sitting at his bar, and he's waiting for Malloy to walk in. And no Malloy. The following day, no Malloy. A few more days go by, and... Malloy doesn't show up, so the guys are now thinking, "Okay, we've we've done it. We can collect collect on this uh, the money. Let's go go ahead and collect on the insurance." Marina wants to be sure, so he decides to pick up the phone and he's going to call the morgue uh, and the local hospitals to see if Malloy's body had turned up. Right. Yeah. As he's about to make that co- call, in walks Malloy, bandaged, arm in a sling. He had had a fractured skull, a concussion, and a broken collarbone but he was still ready for his drinks and sandwiches. <laughs> so they just, that was it. The, the, the men were, it, can you imagine being these guys just seeing that? Like, what do you, how do you feel? You know, you'd had this elation of finally we're going to co- collect on this money, right? And here's the thing, the, the amount that they had put in for, uh, the amount that it totaled, uh, the, the, they had three life insurance policies on him was uh, for $3,500 total. In today's money, that's $54,000. They really thought they were about to get payday, and in walks this guy, all bandaged, broken, but still ready to drink and eat. Um, and they're just it, incredulous. It sounds like they put more money into feeding him and dr- giving <laughs> him drinks than they did, and then they would have got out of it anyway. <laughs> when I told my wife this story, she said the exact same thing. Yeah. Criminals are <laughs> not the smartest bunch, are they? So nope. here you go. They're done. They just cannot believe it. They are completely besides themselves. And Marino says, you know, we're doing it. We are just going to murder this man. We're just going to do it. So after he has more sandwiches and more drinks and he passes out, they drag him into one of the tenement uh, buildings that they have. And they shove a hose down his throat. And the other end of the hose goes into a gasoline can. And he ends up inhaling the fumes and die- finally dying. So he finally dies. They finally kill Mike Malloy. Um, that wasn't the, the odd part was the whole point that they couldn't kill him. Right. Yeah. So here's what happens. They decide they're going to put in for the, try to get the money. So they pay off a, the, a coroner to write off a thing saying he died for pneumonia. Uh, and they buried him quick. Popper's grave. They didn't spend any time Wanted to get rid of the body. So a few days go by and they decide to, you know, try to collect on the insurance claims. Well, one of the claims paid out, they paid out a hundred, eight hundred 800 bucks. Uh, so the men made a little bit of money. But uh, two of the other other cl- uh, companies were just kind of like, we don't know about this. One of them sent investigators to start questioning and asking around what was going on. And this investigator started hearing about all these weird incidences that were befalling Mr. Malloy before he had died um, of pneumonia, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> so they contacted the police and the police ended up investigating and questioning a bunch of the people that would patronize the speakeasy. And through that, they found out that there had been a plan to kill the man and that all these plans just hadn't worked. That's how a lot of this story came out was through that. Um, there are actual news articles that talk about um, these four men uh, having tried all these different things to try to, to kill this man. and The man would not die. So they ended up exhuming the body. And because he had been buried quickly, it hadn't been prepared for for burial. There wasn't the correct embalming or anything. So... Uh, they were able to to perform an autopsy and found high levels of carbon monoxide in his lungs. So what ended up happening was the four guys, Marino and the three other guys that were a part of this scam. Uh, they were convicted, sentenced, and ended up being executed at Sing Sing. Wow. For finally killing a man that just seemed like he was not going to go down no matter what. Wow. The story, that's-, that's the story of Durable Mike Malloy.
0: Wow, that's, you know, <laughs> you know, at some point he's probably got to start
1: thinking to himself, I don't know if these guys like. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to remember, too, he's used to still being a drunk and, and a homeless yeah. drunk. So what happens is he passes out and he's used to being dragged out and left out. And then I'm sure at times he was rolled. You know, people have you stole money from him and took clothing. So I'm sure waking up naked in a park bench, freezing your ass off is uh, was probably nothing new to him. Um, it's probably just Tuesday, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, what was new to him was these guys all loved him just for signing some papers. He was just like, all right, cool. Uh, I'm not gonna complain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he just kept coming back. All right, boys, what are we gonna have to drink tonight? <laughs> wow, that is a, that's an odd story. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so, man. when I saw I, I'd heard that on and I was like, this is some crazy stuff. I'd never heard about this guy. I want to look into it and the more and I found this whole story and I was like, wow, this is cool.
0: Yeah, you know, Chris, it's been another week and another great uh, stories about things that are kind of odd. Yep. I dig it. I dig it. I do too, man. Are you ready for some plugs? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Let's plug away. All right, Let's plug, plug. You can find me, uh, my art, on Instagram at Johnnyism28. Uh, you can also uh, find my other podcast, retroblist. On this very same network that Chris is going to mention here in a second, also on iTunes and Stitcher, and we have a, excuse me, jeez, and we also have a a, a Instagram page. It's at Retro uh, Also, uh, this uh, podcast is featured on History Creeps, and that now has a new Instagram page. That's I believe it's just at
1: History Creeps. Is that right, Chris? That is correct at History Creeps on Instagram. I might do a Twitter for us, I'm not sure. But we also have a Facebook page History Creeps. Um and like you said, they can find it on our network bicvp-radio.com as well as my other podcast, Back Issues Comic Book Podcast. Um there's actually a few other podcasts going to be coming out soon here in the near future. So check out the network and uh once you find something you like, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, subscribe, comment, rate, let us know how we're doing. Um anything else on your end? Yeah, I wanted to mention one thing real quick. I just started a
0: documentary that was just recently put on Netflix, and I thought I know you for sure were probably interested, but maybe some of our listeners would be interested in it too. It's called Five Came Back, hmm. and it and the gist of it is during World War II. You know, you'd see all those uh, videos of uh, of just people at war, the black and white historical ones. Uh-huh. These were about five directors who were in Hollywood at the time, and what they did during the war to show. The war itself so it's kind of like a the art and history of american propaganda oh wow the time it, it's crazy good and steven spielberg is, is kind of one of the executive producers on it so it's the it's really really good so far
1: nice i'm gonna have to check that out
0: yeah I recommend it for everybody i'll let
1: you know when i finish it it's a couple episodes it's not just one long thing so very cool dude i had a good time tonight this was a good couple stories hope our listeners enjoyed it you want to take us out
0: Yeah, as always, guys, we want you all to just stay odd.